This weekend against one of the better resumes in the Big Ten, Penn State has a chance to get back on track to double-digit wins. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk to Zach Seiko from Locked On Nittany Lions about one of the more interesting matchups coming up this weekend in Big Ten football. Penn State and Maryland. The Nittany Lions looking to prove that they are back to double-digit win form by getting a big win over Maryland, while the Terrapins, who were once on the verge of the top 25 a couple of weeks ago, now try to bounce back and prove that they too are more than just a fluke with what right now is a 500 record in the conference. It's a big matchup. We're going to talk to Zach about it here on the show. On today's show, though, it's brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between all of the Big Ten teams playing or watch the Big Ten Network on Sling TV. It's all available on Sling. Sling TV is the TV that you love for a price that you'll love as well. Try it out today. Now, Zach Seiko actually had me on his podcast, Knocked on Nittany Lions, here today. You can go watch and listen to that either on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts right now. I have for you here one segment from that show where we talked about the matchup between Penn State and Maryland here this weekend. But Zach and I also today over on Locked on Nittany Lions talked a whole lot about just what's going on in the Big Ten in general and Penn State, of course, too. So, If you want to get a little bit more on that and hear a little bit more from me and Zach here on today's Locked On shows, you can head on over to Locked On Nittany Lions and also just give them a subscription too as well. Zach's doing a really good job since he started up with that show in taking over and making sure that everything is done and the I's dotted, T's crossed on Penn State coverage. So to start off the show, we have that conversation with me and Zach that you can hear on Locked On Nittany Lions covering the Big Ten's matchup between Penn State and Maryland. And again, be sure to listen to the rest of Locked on Nittany Lions here today between me and Zach and subscribe to the show as well as the rest of your Locked on Big Ten podcasts. Just a quick note before we get into it, there will be times where Zach's, of course, referring to things as Locked on Nittany Lions. It's because we use it as a segment on his show as well. So be sure to, of course, mind that you are still listening to Locked On Big Ten. I'll be back in just a minute right after our short segment in one of the things we talked about on Locked On Nittany Lions today. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also now on YouTube, if you're watching via video, Nate Dickinson of Locked On Big Ten is joining me, Zach Sago, here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Nate, thanks again so much for your time. Uh, we'll try to get the you know the best inside scoop for you are essentially the pseudo Locked On uh, Terps uh, expert here today um, and doing some back, background research on this team. Uh, it'll be they they actually match up fairly well. I, I like Penn State in this game, and I'll get to the, we'll get to that soon. But Maryland, 
I think has surprised a lot of people with the fact that they're six and three to this point. Uh, the 23 to 10 loss to Wisconsin, I don't really take that too much into consideration right now, just because that was a bad weather game. That's not who they are. And the weather's supposed to be fair uh, for Penn State uh, at University Park come Saturday here. But what should people know from the Locked On Big Ten perspective? What should people know immediately about this Maryland team, in addition to Talia Tangavaloa, who is the younger brother of Tua, still starting for this team? Uh, well, that's obviously the name that stands out when you take a look up and down this roster. And he is the name that's going to be filling up the stat sheet. This is a team that likes to air out the football. They like to use that Tangavaloa arm to try and get themselves points downfield. And until last week, this was a fan base that was thinking that this might be the most confident that you could be in a Maryland team in the last few seasons. Uh, Terps were on the verge of a top 25 win. They lost to Wisconsin. But again, that team that we thought we believed in in Maryland is not a team that loses by 13 and only puts up 10 points against the Badgers. You bring up a good point with the weather. It was not the best of conditions, but... Him coming off of an injury, Tungavailoa still did not have his best game. And a lot of people are saying it was his worst game of the season. It ended up being, I think, 10 of 24 was the final. 77 yards, a touchdown, an interception for him in that game. The running game wasn't all that great with him not throwing the ball all that well. But if you're looking for what Maryland's going to do, you're right. You should not be thinking about what that Wisconsin game was because Maryland's going to try and throw the ball. They're going to throw the ball well. That's one thing that has been a big difference between other years and this year for Tungavailoa. His accuracy has been better this season. He's fine-tuned some things a little bit more that has made him a better quarterback. And Maryland's going to try and score some points on you. They don't do a very good job at stopping much at all. So... If you have those strengths that Penn State does, like with Nicholas Singleton on the ground game, you can expect he's going to be able to do his thing. But the question is going to be, is Maryland going to be able to put up the points to keep up with you? And outside of last week against Wisconsin, the answer had every single weekend been yes. And they have the offense. They at least have a diversity of targets, I would say. There's guys who you would think would be superstars still. Um, I can I want to start with the passing game because as you mentioned, so Talia Tagavaloa is a he's a guy that actually is a dual threat. And I think that kind of gets lost in the shuffle that he can do one or the other, and you really got to keep that uh into account. But they were supposed to have probably one of the better wide receiver cores to this point, and I don't think they've lived up to that expectation. Rakim Jarrett was a former five-star recruit and committed and he was someone that was actually recruited by Penn State and I think he could have thrived here but that's besides the point not bitter <laughs> um that he you know that he slighted Penn State but they also have Dante Demas Jr who I don't think is the same since he had uh, that knee that ACL injury from a year ago and both of these guys just seem to you know they just have the inconvenient injuries that holds them back from their potential so what is this passing game with you know an 80 percent rakim jarrett and 80 percent dante demas jr or is that just kind of my perception and i'm wrong and you know we should be uh, ready for a serious aerial attack from maryland on saturday well i don't know if you're right or wrong about those guys and what they can do but i just know that this maryland offense while it may not put up the dominant numbers with the individuals it spreads out its targets incredibly well and the yards too there's 
six players on this Maryland team, six different catchers of passes who have more than 200 but less than 400 receiving yards on the season. Six different guys. That includes running back Roman Hemby, who, while also averaging six yards per carry on the ground, has himself 240 yards receiving, too. So while this passing offense is dynamic and it can go over the top on you for sure, what the bread and butter has been is mixing things up. Like if you're looking for, okay, who is it that Joey Porter Jr. needs to shut down here? There's no clear answer. Maybe it's Raheem Jarrett based on what you're talking about with just the pure talent. But Maryland's going to have all sorts of different guys that it can and will throw to. It's going to try and spread out a defense. And it's worked for the most part. Whether or not these guys would have the skills to be 1,000-yard receivers if that's the way they were playing things, I don't know. But I do know that Maryland is intentionally spreading out the passing game, and there's a reason why there isn't anyone who really sticks out with the big numbers. Yeah, they have two tight ends as well. It's Deitches and Dupree that can factor in, and, and it's not one or the other. It, it's both. Uh, you mentioned Hemby on the ground. Uh, flipping it over defensively, uh, it seems like Maryland can't stop uh, anything. They are a wet paper bag when it comes to defense, but they have some guys that I like. Uh, one of them is a former top recruit and a top commit in Jay Sean Barham, uh, I mean, he seems to be the focal point defensively. I'll get to the defensive backs in just a second because they have a couple individual players that you just at least need to try to take out of the game plan. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, every Big Ten team, once you get to this level, is going to have those kind of guys that you need to focus on. The point is that Maryland just doesn't have a big volume of those kind of players. And to be completely honest, they're not trying to play that typical ground and pound Big Ten game, slow you down, low scoring kind of affair here. They're going to want to score a little bit more points. They're going to want to run yeah. things up on you. There's only been, as I mentioned, before scoring just 10 points last weekend, that team had not scored less than 24 points the entire season. And it goes along with who they've played, too, up until it was, I think, Michigan State was the only major power five team that had failed to score less than like 25 points on Maryland. So this is a team who's not playing a whole lot and stopping a whole lot on defense, but it's partially because of, at least when you look at the point totals, because of the way that they're trying to play that game, they don't want to get into that low scoring, slow pace kind of big 10 football game. They're trying to play with a little bit of a different identity and It'll show in the numbers on defense, but you're right. It's a little bit deceptive, and they do have talented names out there that you have to at least look out for. The problem is that teams are able to single those guys out when there aren't that many of them out there. And Bo Braid is the other one. He leads them in tackles. He's got pass breakups, interceptions, forced fumbles. He kind of does it all, and that's who I wanted to refer to. He's one of those other signature players. The last question that I have for you, Nate, about the uh, Terrapins themselves is this offensive-defensive line matchup because Penn State's offensive line uh, is, and I use the word makeshift a lot, that's really how it is. You have a true freshman starting at left tackle. Lou Fashionu is going to be out for this game most likely. We don't know if Caden Wallace is going to be back. Uh, Landon Tangwall just got announced that uh, he is going to miss the remainder of the season because he had surgery, and James Franklin's pretty secretive about those. So when he does share that, you know that it's bad news. 
Uh, Horner, Hunter Norzad just announced that he's coming back for a 2023 season. I know that doesn't matter against Maryland, but he got rolled up on on the first play against Indiana, and I don't exactly know what his status is. So does Penn State need to be worried uh, about a lackluster, a, let me just say this, a lower standard offensive line uh, against a Maryland team, or is it going to be kind of similar to the output of Indiana where the defensive line's just not that good, so the offensive line will be able to skate by this time around? I, I think it'll depend on what ends up setting the tone in that game. Uh, Nicholas Singleton, let's say, to start off that game, is the at least run blocking able to open things up a little bit on offense? If Penn State's, or I'm sorry, if Maryland's able to get on their toes and start getting aggressive there and attacking, I think that there could easily, of course, be problems when there's injuries on the offensive line. That's always the case, again, when you get to this kind of a level. But if you can get to a point where at least you have to respect what the offensive line and the run game is doing out there to allow the pass game and the offensive line to make up for that kind of what deficit may be out there, then I think you have a chance to be okay and not, again, see more of, what you're looking at and what happened against Indiana last weekend, but it'll be more dependent on how Penn state sets that tone than it will be just Maryland's defensive line being bad. Before we look around the big 10, Nate, I don't necessarily need a, a score prediction, but do you like Penn state in this game? I do. Uh, Penn state's looked really good against everyone that hasn't been Michigan and Ohio state in fair. Unless they <laughs> prove otherwise at some point, I'm going to stick with that. All right. So I like Penn State as well, and I'll give my score prediction in tomorrow's Locked on Nittany Lions. It is Locked on Nittany Lions, a, a like crossover in today's episode, a crossover of Locked on Nittany Lions and Locked on Big Ten with host Nate Dickinson. When we return, we're going to talk around the Big Ten here. Thanks again to Zach for having me here on the show on Locked on Nittany Lions. Again, a reminder, be sure to subscribe to his show if you're a Penn State fan or if you just want to stay up to date on everything that's going on over at Penn State. Zach's your guy to cover just like we do here on every other Locked on show every day of the week. Before we get into the rest of the program here today, a reminder that it's the holiday season. You probably already knew that. But what you may have missed or skipped over is the fact that during this holiday season, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts are exponentially higher than normal. That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off the award-winning security system that they have so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. Here's why I love it. When you're in an emergency, 24-7 monitoring of your home. It's that kind of stuff that is what makes the security system worth it, really, right? Because when you're watching over things is when you don't really need the security system. It's when you're not able to do it all the time, which is not every single second is when you need something like Simply Safe to be there. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that you can recommend here at Locked On, Simply Safe. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege today. This is their biggest discount this year, so do not wait. That's simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, let's update things on the college football playoff front because since 
we last talked, Big Ten has two teams in the college football playoff, at least since we last talked about the college football playoff, that is. New votes in, Michigan is number three, Ohio State is number two. And I think we just need to get a quick update again on what exactly everything is in college football and how things stand right now. As it is at the moment, you have right now at least two for sure teams, that being one Georgia in my eyes or whoever comes out of the SEC, and the second being whoever wins the Big Ten, given that it's Ohio State or Michigan, of course. Then you have TCU, which right now definitely is in a firm spot and will be in if it wins out. That's three out of four spots. You have, in my opinion, what is four candidates left for what is one spot left, at least right now. Four candidates as things currently stand. One is the one-loss Michigan or Ohio State, whoever that may be. The next is one-loss Tennessee. A very, very strong resume if they win out. Another is a one-loss Pac-12 champion, whether it's USC, UCLA, or Oregon. And the final is a one-loss ACC champion, Clemson or North Carolina. Now I'm going to throw that last one out. Clemson, North Carolina, I think both those teams are out. I think Clemson was the last chance for the ACC to get into this college football playoff. And the way that neither team has really shown out and been super dominant It's really just leaving them in the dust at the moment. So if you ask me, you have three real players for that last spot. The Michigan, the Tennessee, and the Pac-12 champion. What would make things, of course, more interesting is if TCU loses at some point. Because then you have one loss Big 12, one loss Pac-12, Michigan, and Tennessee. Who gets in in that situation? That's the big, big question is what does the committee value most here? Is it still conference championships? In which case you're looking at that Pac-12 champion and probably the TCU even with one loss getting in perhaps. Or are you looking more at what the schedule and strength of a team is with what you've seen on the field? Because Tennessee has, of course, the strength of schedule. Their only loss would have been against Georgia, who presumably would be undefeated and number one in this case. Michigan, right there in the same boat. Only loss against number two, Ohio State. It doesn't get any closer with those two resumes out there. Would you take, though, a conference champion over either of those? Because if so, then we're done talking about this. Because Michigan is not going to beat both Tennessee and the two conference champions in that room when the committee is talking about it. They will not have enough votes and enough people behind them. But if you're able to devalue that conference championship and make it so that, okay, we're thinking about Tennessee here against Michigan, then you have a better chance. I think one-on-one, Tennessee very very well may still have the stronger resume, and of course, volunteer and SEC fans are going to argue that. But if Michigan keeps things close against Ohio State and looks really good, especially with the way that Tennessee did not look at least super competitive with Georgia, despite how good Georgia is, and again, SEC fans will argue that all day, then you can at least make the argument that Michigan can be in. It'll be close, 
but I think that you can get Michigan into that playoff in that scenario. If it's one loss Michigan against one loss Tennessee. If it's one loss Michigan against one loss Tennessee against Pac-12 champion against ACC champion, then it becomes too unpredictable. Then I don't know what goes where, but I don't like Michigan's chances as much going up against three other legitimate candidates compared to just the one. So is the Big 12 champion in there or in the conversation still if it is a one-loss team? Of course, again, if it's TCU, then it's just three fighting for the one spot. But if that's the conversation, the Big 12 champion at one loss, the Pac-12 champion at one loss, the ACC champion at one loss against Michigan and Tennessee with their one loss that would be better, a better loss on the resume than any of those other schools would be able to put up there. I don't know what happens in that situation. I want to learn more from the college football playoff committee about what happens in that situation, but they're not going to tell us that because that's been the one big theme is that they are judging things based on what has happened already, not on what will happen and what would happen in this scenario. They're not going to try and predict the future. But that's what I want to know is, are you valuing conference championships still? Or are you valuing the actual play and on the field, who you lost to and how you did against everybody else? Because if that's the case, it's really a two-team race, Tennessee and Michigan or Ohio State. They would have lost to the number one and number two teams, presuming they win all the rest of their games in the college football playoff rankings. But if you're going off of, hey, this conference championship game matters, then we'll have to wait and see. Because I don't, I have no idea what happens in that case. We're going to finish things up here on Locked On Big Ten in just a second. But before we do, Built Bar is back with brand new flavors cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, white chocolate peppermint granola. It's Built's take on the granola bar, and it's more filling and still insanely tasting. And candy cane brownie puffs as well, Built Puffs, are like biting into the most delicious cloud out there, chocolate surrounding marshmallow. And you can get yourself 15% off at Built.com right now on all this stuff or any of the classic Built Bars that you've come to love since we started talking about them. It's at Built.com with the code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 to get your order started up today. Let's wrap up with just a little bit more here before we get finished on the show today. A couple of things to note. First on the Big Ten schedule, big win in women's basketball. Number five, Tennessee loses to number 14, Ohio State. The Big Ten gets the win over a top five team, 87 to 75, the final score. A big win for the Lady Buckeyes to start off their season. Also, we missed or we had here a Big Ten soccer tournament semifinals. Ohio State against Rutgers. Rutgers moves on to the final with a 2-1 win. And Indiana against Maryland. Indiana moves on to the final with a 2-1 win. That final comes up later at the end of the week. Finally, before we let you go, a reminder that if you're into the recruiting stuff, you probably already know this, but the early signing period for all sports but football starts up here this week. Now, what you need to know if you're someone who really just wants to check and see 
on your basketball recruiting class for your team, what you really need to know when you're looking up any of these athletes at this point is, okay, are you going to sign that national letter of intent, NLI, not NIL, which is what we've come used to as of late. Are you going to sign that NLI during this time? Because if you are, nothing to worry about. And to be quite honest, even if a player says, no, I'm not going to sign during the early period, it could be nothing to worry about. But my opinion has always been and will always continue to be that if you're not signing on that dotted line early, then you're not 100%. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to end up signing with that program. And I do think that you should go and do your research on what someone's saying. A lot of these kids now are going to put out some sort of statement on why they wouldn't be signing. If they're choosing not to sign during the early period, there's probably, with the way recruiting goes now, some sort of reporting if someone's choosing not to sign during this time. So just look it up. See what it is. If it's just a kid saying he wants to go on his visit still and enjoy the recruiting experience, but he's 100% committed, you probably don't have anything to worry about. If there's a little bit more vagueness to it than that, and you know that this guy has highly touted schools elsewhere looking at him and going after him too, then yeah, you'd be a little bit concerned. The point is you want guys to be signing during this time. If they're not, it's not a reason to panic, but I do believe that if they don't do it during this time, and you can say this is a little bit harsh, but you have to understand that by the time you're getting to this point, these guys have been recruited, if it's at a Big Ten level, for basketball especially, for years to these schools. And if they're not signing during this first opportunity to do so, I think there is at least a reason for it. I'm not saying even that it's less than 99% that the guy's not uh, 100% sure about your school. But all I'm saying is if they're going to wait, you need to, if you're into this kind of stuff and looking at the recruiting news, look in and see what there is to know about why. And then make your judgment there. I'm not going to say, hey, if he's not signing, he's not coming. Or if he's not signing, it even lessens the chances. I'm saying if he's not signing right now, at least look up and make your own judgment on it. That's just a quick little note before we wrap up the show here on Locked On Big Ten today. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk college basketball again here on the show, as well as, of course, wrap up the week by getting into what is going on with football this weekend. We talked Penn State, Maryland here today. Got to get into, of course, the rest of the weekend of the full slate of Big Ten games to go over. That's coming up here tomorrow on Locked On Big Ten. It's at Locked On Big Ten, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. One zero, not T-E-N at the end. I'm Nate with Sports on Twitter. The show is Locked On Big Ten, same spelling over on Twitter too. And you can be sure to follow us there to get everything you need to know in between listening into the shows. Again, I'm Nate Dickinson. Until tomorrow, this has been Locked On Big Ten.